0: Hello and welcome to CORE Women. My name is Dr. Summer Watson and I'm the founder of CORE Women and I'm also an empowerment strategist for women. So if you're listening to this podcast to delve more into empowerment strategies, well you're here for the right reason. However, CORE Women was also developed because it's a special place that provides a unique idea of home for the hearts and souls of women. It's a place for us to share our strength, energy, wisdom, and authenticity It's a place for women to find support and strategic empowerment ideas that will help support their lives. Today on the show, I'd like to welcome Audrey Stimson. Audrey grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, earned her bachelor's from the University of Memphis, found her way to Manhattan, New York, earned her master's in fashion photography, started her own business, and was living her version of success. However, there was one big issue to be addressed, and that was her addiction to Adderall. Which she has been on since seven years of age. There's so much to talk about here, and I want Audrey to tell you about her journey. Let's get right into this, Audrey, and welcome.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me today. I just wanted to shed some light on an issue that I've dealt with my entire life. Um, since I was seven years old, I've really used Adderall to slay, as you will, and um, after years of use, I started getting really ill and feeling um, had a lot of gut health issues, and I just
0: couldn't do it anymore. I want to start from the beginning and what it was like growing up in Memphis and when you were seven, and we'll get into those other questions, but tell me what it was like growing up in Memphis and what the reason you were initially put on Adderall for, so that's really important for the listeners to know, I think.
1: So uh, growing up in Memphis was awesome, you know, the home of the blues. Um, I I was a very talkative and friendly child, um, very outgoing, but I think, you know, multiple teachers had told my parents um, that I was having a harder time getting things done. I was making good grades, but I was having a little bit harder time concentrating and really executing like the homework easily, I guess. And I couldn't, I was concentrating on everything instead of just one thing. It was just, I wanted to concentrate on too many things and I couldn't just narrow in the focus. Right. And so multiple doctors, she took me to multiple doctors and they all said the same thing that I needed to be medicated. And back in the nineties, like you didn't really know that there was anything negative. You just wanted your kid to be okay. And so my mother and father, you know, made the decision to put me on Adderall and they did the best that they knew to do at the time. My mom's a nurse and my dad's a lawyer. I mean, it's not like they weren't educated. Right. They just right. put me on a medication that they thought was going to help me. They didn't know any better.
0: Yeah. This is, this is certainly not about blame. This is more along the lines of what happened? What was the process? What was the journey of you being on Adderall? What were your presenting symptoms in relation to why? You know, because to me, as somebody who has worked in the field of mental health for years, and worked with several different doctors, both MDs and PhDs, as well as social workers and caretakers, it's really important for me to know somebody's story, versus, you know, okay, this is, This is why the parent, you know, it's really important to know why the parents put them, put the child on that as well, on any, any medication and these in particular. So my question is, did you have a conversation with your parents about were there any other options that they had given? Were there any, because they did see multiple doctors and, you know, I've seen a lot of people who have, who are very educated, but again, it's an area of education an area of insight that's different, and and it's really important because, in relation to looking at these meds, that many times people want a quick fix for their kids, they want them to be able to function, they want them to be able to focus. But that goes hand in hand with if you're going to put your child on some medication, my, my thought is also make sure that they're in some type of, of therapy where they're learning how to cope with the stimulation around them. So with being right. able to focus. And so were they given any direction at the time about any other options in working with you?
1: Um, I, They did have me in therapy and I went to some childhood therapies for like a little while, but the number one thing that all of the doctors were pushing at that time were, was meds. Like now they're talking more, you know, nowadays it's a little more, there's a little more knowledge about it not being the greatest option for your child. And there's a lot more, um, awareness of diet and, um, environmental stressors. And also like, they just require kids to not, I mean, basically be doing adult things. Like you're going to put kid in the school all day long, no PE, no art. And you just going to like, sit here like I don't even want to do that like for eight (laughs) hours at a time sit still so it's just we require so much of our children and I think that that is very difficult in itself um to be you know you just want to be a child and there wasn't really any other option given to me at Mm -hmm. that time but I am thankful that there are a lot more there's a lot more awareness of it now I mean there was no case study because really no one's been on it long enough to do that until now i was on it for 23 years right. you know you don't know the repercussions of a drug until you know there's enough case studies of people taking it for a long period of time
0: no, you're absolutely right. And one of the things that working in the field that I always had some issue with is that these drugs weren't tested on children. And I understand why, but at the same time, they weren't, so we don't know the long-term effects on on children. So, you know, that's a big deal. But now, just so that the listeners know There are other options. So when you're looking at issues such as attention or lack of attention or overstimulation in a classroom or in a learning setting, there are things like student study teams, there are 504 plans, there are individual education plans. So there are a lot of things actually you can request of the school, of the teacher and of the actual um, school district put it in writing, but make sure that you do request these things because then the the, the schools will get together teams and talk about other options for kids.
1: And I think that's amazing. I also think that there needs to be more um, awareness of diet. I fixed my, you know, we'll go into more detail about that, but I fixed my diet first. And I think, you know, before trying to come off of the meds and I feel like, you know, gluten and sugar and things like that, you know, it's different for every person. And that's why I think elimination diets are amazing. Yeah. But I think that it's really uh, important to, you know, see what you're feeding your child every morning or, you know, um, and what makes them behave differently because gluten can cause like foggy headedness. It may not for every child, but it does for me. Right. So without gluten in my system, I'm able to concentrate better. Things like that, I think are really helpful as well as like modalities, like I don't know as much about EMDR for children, but it really is working for me with um, right. trauma, trauma
0: related to um, attention and other things. Right. So I, I think you're, you know, I want to take a step back again because I want to go like kind of weave through this journey because there's a lot for people to know here and you have some really great information. That I don't want to skip a step here. So you're absolutely right. I think that, and I'm going to piggyback on what you said, that diet is really critical to look at. So if you're feeding your child uh, cereals that are high in sugar, that are going to break down, that are carbs, that are going to break down into simple sugars, that may cause some lack of attention. That might cause some overstimulation, some juices, which are laden with sugar. I mean, there's a lot of different things to talk about in relationship to diet because we may think that, oh, we're we're, you know, make sure, making sure that we're feeding our child a healthy breakfast or a nutritional breakfast, nutritious breakfast. But at the same time, if you're giving them a Pop-Tart or even some types of different cereals or juices, hey, that might not be the best for that child in the morning. You know, there might be other protein-based yeah. type of options. So now, as you were going through childhood, you were on an Adderall. That was something that was a fix for the time. It may have helped you focus, but how did you then later in in your years recognize your dependence to this drug and how was it impacting your body and emotional state?
1: Okay. So this is, there's a lot in this one. Um, After all, for me, it did make me focus. And for a while, it caused a lot of issues that I didn't realize they caused until later. Uh, a lot of hyper-focus on problem areas with body dysmorphia. There's a thing called atorexia, which they, you know, it's like anorexia Mm -hmm. on Adderall. But it causes you to to hyper-focus on any flaw and obsess over things. So I became anorexic at the age of 13 on Adderall. And a lot of the memories and things that I would do, like obsessive working out, obsessive like over controlling my food, obsessive over things that weren't actually important. Um, it it really, I think the focus is great when it's focused on the right thing, but it didn't really. It was, I, all of a sudden I'd be focusing on like I'm gonna like restructure all my photos in my phone for like the entire day. You know what I mean? Just right. like you you focus on like, or I'm gonna clean the whole house, like. And then not really getting the things that you need to get done. It just, it made you feel high. Like you could get anything done, but at the end of the day, you'd feel, um, you need to wind down and, and, you know, younger years, I just couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat, which I, you know, later used to my ability to, to restrict myself from food. And I became addicted to that because Mm -hmm. I wanted to look perfect and be perfect and, and Adderall helped me do that. Or so I thought, right. So yeah. I think that the, it's been formed over time to those, um, different connotations and like realizing like, Oh, I used it for this or I used it for that. And over the years, we'll talk about like what happened later, but you do need to wind down in the afternoon and it, you know, it wears off and I was moodier and I felt more disconnected and i I always felt different. Like I just didn't quite fit in. And it was only after that, I used to get the award for friendliest, you know, before I was seven at like, Uh you know, first grade when I was six, like I got friendliest award. And then I just felt like I was a zombie and I didn't really have a personality anymore. And I felt left out. You know, I didn't feel like everyone else.
0: Right. So it, it really sounds like, It did a doozy on your physical well-being, your mental well-being, your development, your social interactions. I mean, it affected you in multiple ways. So, you know, when you're looking at somebody and they're functioning, you know, at least when I, you know, did my assessments, I'm looking at multiple areas of functioning. And so I'm hearing you talk about the ways that you're functioning, the multiple ways that you're functioning, that it really impacted you. Maybe not. In a good way, and it also sounded like before the age of seven, and before you put were put on it, you were able to really show your authentic personality, who Audrey was. And now, okay, so now you're you have this awareness. It's been years that you've been on it. You come to this awareness that hey, this may be impacting how I function, and I don't like how I'm feeling. So, how did you take the steps? to start titrating down or tapering off this medication because now you're totally off. Correct.
1: I am um, off of it after six months. Correct. I do think that there is like also just awareness of um, when I was, you know, in college and in New York and just working all the time, I did have to wind down in the evening. So I just want to like go ahead and just tell you that I, I ended up becoming addicted to wine and alcohol to wind Uh down um, as a result of needing something to get me to be able to go to sleep, to be able to like, not feel so like jittery and anxiety and depression and all of these other things that it caused. But then later after about 23 years on the drug, I started fainting. I started having dizzy spells. I had a lot of gut health issues. I was sick daily. They put me on an antidepressant. They put me on anti-anxiety because I just, I couldn't function in the world. Like this drug led to another drug led to another drug. And Uh I was a full blown, full blown addict. And I, I never thought that I could get off of this drug. I literally said like, Oh, I'm on Adderall. Like I can do this. I don't need, you know, but I, I eventually knew I was like, I'm so sick. I'm dying. Like if I don't remove myself from the stressors of New York and the stressors that require me, to be on this drug and go so um, just do more than what humans are really able to do, (laughs) then I, I'm going to, this is physically going to kill me. So I started weaning down. Um, I I removed myself from the stressors and moved to Long Island for the summer with um, my now fiance, Ben and his family. And I, you know, retreated to nature and started removing the stressors and I was so sick that First, I before you know I started weaning down, and it actually made it worse at first my um, gut health because ninety five percent of your like serotonin regulators are in your gut, and mm-hmm. so when you start you stop taking um, an amphetamine that really affects your dopamine and serotonin levels, all of a sudden you can't eat anything or process anything, and you're actually getting more ill. So I, um, I I did a step by step journey to get off of meds um, that I really really um, think is important and I'm going to be writing about in my book. Do you want me to go more into that, or do you uh, well, want to ask a? I do I... want
0: to ask a couple. I just want to note something here for the listeners too. I think yeah, it's really important, important that there's a lot of research being done currently and in the last few years about the mind gut connection, and it is so important. The research out there about mind gut connection in relation to your neurons and how they're related and the messages that are being sent from the mind to the gut is incredible. And so this is also going to be part of your story and what you're going to talk about. I know it because we've talked before. I know what your bio looks like. So you've told us a little bit about, you know, how it felt what your body was going through, what your mind was going through. And I also want to mention that what you said about it's almost a hamburger effect. So once you were put on this med, as you got older and you were trying to keep a, a momentum that was so high that you then needed a way to wind down. So then you became addicted to alcohol. So you really countered the effects of the Adderall so you could sleep. So you could you know, get a few hours of sleep, wake up and then start all over again and then start medicating yourself. So you were medicating in both prescription drugs, alcohol in various ways. Now you've recognized that you need to start titrating off and then it's starting to affect your body because again, like you said, it's affecting your gut. And there's a lot of connection again, like I said, between the mind and gut. So folks take a look at the mind gut relationship and uh, the research that's being done because it's really important. So let's talk about the modalities of care and support for body and brain um, that you've used to support your process of coming off Adderall. And I know there's a lot to be said here. And I know you've looked at and used diet. You've also looked at um, EMDR. So why don't you go into that and explain what that is and what you've done because I think this is so important.
1: Okay. So I definitely – like I said, I think that there's a step-by-step process, and I remove myself from the stressors. And then I was like, I need to figure out what is going on with my body. I just feel horrible. I'm so sick. And so I, met, I actually met handy Gutierrez. Um, she owns Unicorn Wellness dot com. I think you've done an interview
0: with her. I have. She's amazing. She's amazing. <laughs> She's
1: so- yes, and she was, I was at one of her full moon ceremonies in Brooklyn and I was telling her about all my symptoms. I was like, this is happening with me. So she gave me her book. It's a um, a wellness uh, guidebook, unicorn wellness Guide. And I she Mm -hmm. said, just take this. Like, didn't ask for any money. I was like, okay, like, thank you. You're so amazing. I read it and I immediately was like, I have to do this gut reset, um, this elimination diet. And I really believe that it saved my life. Um, in in a way that I was able to come off of, continue coming off of the meds without being sick and really know what was causing my light, you know, the foggy headedness, causing um, more ADHD symptoms so that when I was coming off of the meds, I wasn't as scatterbrained. I was able to focus and it wasn't as hard. Um, a lot of people are really fearful of gaining weight coming off Adderall. They always say you're yes. going to gain like 30 pounds. Or, and I was always so fearful of that because Adderall causes anorexia. So you're already fearful of you know, not being perfect and coming off of a drug that causes you to feel that way. So I think it's important to, when I, in my book for a lot of people out there that they're afraid of that. And so I fixed my diet first so that that didn't happen.
0: Now I'm going, to cut then, in here. I'm going to cut in here for a moment because I think that, um, and I want you to continue, but I want to mention that you're absolutely right. And many times people will be what we call non-med compliant and they'll get off the meds that they're prescribed, one in particular Adderall, because of the weight gain. And then some people do see a weight gain and then go, oh, what do I do now? Because I don't want to gain this weight. So there is that too. And then they'll go back on because they don't want to gain weight. So I'm glad you're mentioning diet because it's really important. Go on.
1: Yes. And so I did that first and then I'd like to preface, I did, I removed myself from the stressors and then I fixed my diet. And then I was like, I don't know how I'm going to wake up in the morning and not want Adderall. Like I have to, I need to, do I need to check into rehab? Do I need to, you know, I'm, I'm leaning down slowly. And it was just this horrible process. And so I researched therapists and different things online, and I finally found this holistic therapist in Huntington, New York. His name is um, Herb Cohen, and he does EMDR therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, hypnotherapy, um, and different healing modalities
0: uh, as well. And, and let me, can I mention what EMDR is really quickly? So yes, if people cool. don't know, it's eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. It's a form of psychotherapy developed by Francine Shapiro, which was in the 1990s. And so, it is a therapy where they have you recall distressing images, and the therapist directs you to really make side-to-side eye movements or uses tapping. And it has an 80—you know—according to research, it has an 80% success rate with people that are impacted by post-traumatic stress disorder. So I just wanted to mention that as well.
1: Yes, it's literally amazing. Um, But when I went in to do this session, I, you know, went in and they, you know, I had the sensors in my hands and he walked me through every single um, experience that I ever had using Adderall, like the highs that I felt. It even took me through memories of alcohol, memories of, you know, playing on photo shoots because I'm a photographer. I was a photographer in New York. That's what I went there for my master's um, in fashion photography. And so I, you know, have visions of that or visions of me running on the treadmill or all these different associations with what I thought was a happy moment and what Adderall gave me in a sense, like the memories of Adderall that made it addictive and um, made me psychologically and, you know, addicted to this drug. So I went through all these memories using these sensors in the EMDR therapy that he was watching my eye movement as I was doing this. And afterwards, I was like, is that it? Like, really? Okay. Like, I don't know if that's going to work. There's no way that worked. Like, there's no way that I'm <laughs> going to wake up tomorrow. Told me on the phone, like, you'll wake up and you won't want it. I'm like, no, there's no way. Like, there's just there's no way. So I went home. I woke up the next morning and I did not want to reach for my pills. And I was like, "There's uh, what? Like, I have, what, how did that work? Like, I have no clue. Um, And it was amazing. And obviously there were still like physiological things that, you know, I'm still coping with. But the addiction was gone. And I didn't, like, it wasn't like I need it. Like, I don't want it now. Like, if it's in front of me, I'm like, eh whatever. And I don't even really want alcohol anymore. I mean, I'll have the occasional tequila blanco per Tandy's request cuz your body processes that the best. <laughs> but I want, I don't drink wine anymore um because it was all associated with Adderall. Right. And that was the most fascinating thing too is because I didn't I wasn't even trying to get off of alcohol like, but now I'm like, and eh, it doesn't even taste that great. Like it's so weird. Right. Um So, and also I think that EMDR is, I'm working still, I'm using EMDR therapy uh, to remove trauma and I'm trying to connect trauma with ADHD symptoms. Um, It's a process, but I do believe that it can affect those symptoms and that trauma is related to um, different disorders, depression, anxiety, um, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, Mm -hmm. and so forth.
0: Wow. So this this is a lot. So when you're talking about Adderall and speaking about your specific experience, what would you tell caretakers and those looking at putting their kids on Adderall?
1: I would tell them that therapy is super important and actually seeing what the kids are surrounded by environment-wise, uh, what they're being required to do, what their home environment is, mm-hmm. what their diet is. Thinking about all of these different factors and how they work together, and I really feel like things like EMDR therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, which is CBT, yep, um, things that deal with the underlying problem instead of medicating a symptom. <clears throat> I think that that's that's where, you know anybody needs to work with young children. Um, I think that there are a lot of ADHD symptoms and problems and, but it's also a lot to do with not having PE and not having art and not having, you know, get them outside.
0: um, Yeah.
1: Meditation, um, starting them early with like, you know, minute meditations or grounding or like, you know, here, like feel the feet, on you know, feel the ground on your feet or just really getting them outside and not, staring at screens all the time. Obviously, I know I'm, I'm not a parent yet. I hope to be <laughs> in the coming years, but I, yeah. and I know that I, screens are inevitable. Like I'm not saying don't give your kid a screen ever because it's not possible. But I think that really surrounding them with art and extracurricular activities and getting outside and fixing their diet and, you know, having uh, health care pay for things like EMDR therapy. If these things were funded, I think it would be a lot, instead of, you know, big pharma targeting kids with, you know, pharmaceuticals
0: right.
1: <laughs> and medications, maybe we could provide those therapies and those different modalities um, instead.
0: Right. And I think those are fabulous suggestions. And if people have questions, reach out reach out to Audrey, reach out to me. And I say that because it's really important to know also when you're seeking out a, a therapist, what questions to ask, what you're looking for, when you're seeking out a um, diet for your child, who to go to. So reach out to your resources. And one of those resources is me. And one of those resources is also Audrey and other people in maybe your your club of friends and networks and so forth. Reach out to them and see who they've gone to or their recommendations in relation to professionals in the arena of, of therapy. Know that there are some things in the schools that can be done, such as student study teams, individual education plans, 504 plans to really help support your child the students. So, and I think what you have stated in relation to all those different options in regards to food, nutrition, getting outside. And, and this is what really boggles me, Audrey, is that many schools now have done away with recess. How, how could you I possibly, I the, these kids can't be expected to stay at their desks constantly. They need some outside time. They need it. And In relation to screens, phones, computers, you're absolutely right. We're not going to get away from them, but we certainly need time away from them because that is contributing to, in my feelings, a lot of the overstimulation. So exactly. um, Okay. So we've covered so much here and it's great information. Where are you at now in your journey?
1: So I've been off of Adderall for six months and it's still a daily process, but I am still functioning and I am able to do the things. I still work out weekly and I'm, you know, still using the same um, gut reset that Tandy gave me and it's really, really helped with my focus on a daily level. Um, the dopamine was the biggest. Hit because my dopamine mm-hmm. regulators were compromised after 23 years. My body was like, What, you want me to work by, my, by myself without anything now? Like, I don't know, like, how to do this. So, that takes about six months to a year to recalibrate those dopamine regulators, which I learned a lot about. And I think that it's a daily process, but I know for a fact that if I can do that, if I can get off of Adderall, then you can do it too. Like, and that anybody can get rid of their addiction.
0: That is important in every case. And let me put this out there too. Every case is different. So make sure that, you know, you do look at your resources, your medical resources, what's happening in your, your social construct. What's going on in your home? There's lots of different factors to to look at and consult your medical practitioners and get a second opinion. Get a second opinion. Always remember you can get a second opinion. And yes, what you said about, you know, your dopamine receptors being compromised because what happens is... Adderall is a stimulant. And so what it is doing is for somebody who is having hyperactivity or attention deficit, it's, it's trying to focus them and it's trying to counteract that with a stimulant. And so it's releasing excessive dopamine into your synaptic clefts so of neurons. So what that means is, yeah, you're getting a lot more of a push of your dopamine. So when you're not on that, you're like, whoa, what happened? what happened to my happy neurons? What's going exactly. on? You know, so so it is it is a tough adjustment. It's very tough. And those people who are looking at titating down or getting off, please, please, please have a source or a system of support around you. It is so important. And remember to check with your providers because it's very important. So um now with all of said, such great information, Audrey. And I, and I want to thank you, you know, for being on the core women podcast, but before we leave and before we get off, if you were to leave the listeners with some words of wisdom, what would they be? So
1: I would have to say that um, for me, my biggest struggle will be my biggest purpose. And I think that anyone should know that going through difficult things and pushing through them is you, you never know that that might be what helps other people and never be afraid to share your story. And also like addiction is not a bad word and it's okay to admit to it and it's okay to not be okay. Um, I think mental health is a really big issue right now, and so many people need to share that they are going through hard things as well and help other people get through them because without that, I feel like everyone feels isolated and alone, especially with social media and perfect lives. We are not all perfect and we share a highlight reel and I think Mm -hmm. that we as people need to support each other more and be honest about our struggles. And I think that that will help others with theirs.
0: Agreed. Great words of wisdom. And I want to piggyback on that whole lifestyle marketing business about showing your best side. There are, you know, we're all human and we have ups and downs and to share those ups and downs makes people feel embraced and not so alone. So great words of wisdom. I appreciate everything you've had to say here today. Thank you, Audrey, for joining me on the Core Women podcast today.
1: Thank you so much, Summer.
0: If you would like to know more about Audrey Stimson or want to message her, please follow and DM her on Instagram and Facebook at Modern Factory Girl. If you need a strategic empowerment coach, contact me. If you want to tell your story of empowerment or how you have reconstructed your life to drive change, send me a video or an email of your story providing permission to use it on my social media platforms. If you want to be featured on my podcast, reach out to me at info at I want to hear from you and to get to know you. You are now part of the core women home. Let's get to know each other. Let's learn from one another. Please follow core women on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please let your women friends know about this podcast. If you write about core women in your social media posts, please hashtag core women. This is all about women. Thank you for taking the time to learn more about core women and please stay tuned for continued growth of the core women movement. Let's grow and drive change together.